Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Knowledge Panel Show, How to Avoid Digital Marketing Burnout. Today we have a brilliant set of guests. We have C, Caspian and Pam. Going to let them all introduce themselves. So um, if Caspian, if we start with you, um, who are you? What do you do? Where do you work? Uh, where are you coming to this podcast from? Thanks. Hi, I'm Caspian. I'm a digital access field specialist and founder of Accessible by Design, uh, which is a digital accessibility consultancy. Brilliant. C? Hello. Hello. My name is C. Um, yeah, so I'm just a old school SEO. Um, yeah, I like data. I like spreadsheets. I like shiny objects like ChatGPT. Um, <laughs> and I work as a contractor, freelancer, and a um, specialist uh, consulting businesses and agencies. You can find me at Kuda HQ. Great to be on board. Brilliant. And Pam? Hi, I'm Pam from Pam and Marketing and Stealth Search and Analytics. Also, I guess I would qualify as an old school SEO. <laughs> I've been in this world a long time now. I can't even believe how many years when you when you talk about how many years Google's been around. Anyway, <laughs> I am uh, coming to you from uh, New Jersey in the US and I'm really happy to be here. I love this topic. Thanks for having me. Oh, brilliant. Oh, thanks for coming on the show, guys. It's really great to have you on. Um, so I guess we'll start out with the obvious question, which is what is digital marketing burnout? Um, it, this can be as personal as you like, um, come at it from, from any angle. Um, C, do you want to start? I think just that deep breath, I think that kind of says it all. Mm. Um, I, th I think really what burnout is from my perspective and the way I look at it is, um, I think it happened a lot more during the pandemic, um, particularly not having that support group around you when you work on your mm. own, S especially when you work from home, you know, you can jump off a call, say you're working in, um, for an agency with an agency and it could be a really horrendous call and what you don't get really, um, when you're working at home, you, you, you can't just drop off the call and turn around and speak and speak to your colleague about it. And they can say, Hey, look, that person was being an idiot or whatever. Um, you're basically stuck there with your own thoughts and that could be very difficult. And if you're going from one call to another call and you're constantly stuck in those thoughts, whether they be negative mm -hmm. or, um, it's 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 very difficult to have someone to bounce the, that off um and when you are working when we have been working in a office environment it's been just very easy where you can be with a colleague you can strike it off and, and and walk on and i think i think that does have an impact to mental health and it does create burnout uh with people that i've worked with and also with myself as well i've seen it i've seen it a lot um so yeah, yeah i think that for me I'd say is probably the start of of the burnout that we've seen particularly recently. Yeah, sort of that negative feedback loop that you just give yourself and give yourself and it's so hard to to get out of it for sure. Caspian, have you got anything to add? I can see you nodding I, away. Yeah, I'm just nodding in agreement really. I, I think to me, burnout is a feeling of exhaustion, like stress, um, a feeling that your workload is insurmountable, that you can't really see a way, way out of what you're doing, you're kind of blinkered to any solution. Um, 
and you may have a feeling like you're always running from one thing to the next you don't feel like you have the ability to plan and i think that kind of wears down on one's self-confidence because um i'd say largely speaking it starts from maybe workload tipping over a point that you have the ability to then manage it um and then it's kind Mm. of self-perpetuating from there it's so hard isn't it to to stop yourself it's almost like that point of it being too much is completely invisible and you don't know until until you're in it it's too deep I think sometimes Uh, Pam do you have any initial thoughts on on how you would describe digital marketing burnout yeah all of that absolutely resonated with me the negative self-talk like the first word that came to mind when I thought about this was guilt like I feel guilty that I am not getting enough done or, you know, that I, I should be doing this. I heard the saying once, you know, shooting all over yourself. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be, you know, for, for everything that I do do, I chastise myself for not doing five other things. (laughs) So that's, you know, it's like you said, a cycle. It's just, it's a never ending negative uh, cycle. And I think another part of it is too this culture in digital marketing that the your value comes from the number of hours that you work. I, I, I don't know how that continues to spill over from like old school office culture, you know, butts and seats culture, like the number of hours you sit at your desk, it determines your worth, not what you're actually doing and your actual value. It just, maybe that's because my work life started out in that environment. It just sticks with me. But if I actually am being extremely productive in a certain day, getting a ton done, I'm feeling good, that guilt just comes in when I'm like, I could walk away now, but I shouldn't mm. <laughs> should all over myself. So yeah, all, all of that just kind of I rolls love together into what I think of as as digital marketing burnout. Yeah, no, I think that makes some really good points. Just, um, I guess, to sum up, that part sort of isolation the self-guilt it's all coming from ourselves it seems like um but maybe we should widen that up a little bit and say how does it relate to the community because i know that it's we we say it as a it's an individual feeling and we're we're putting it on, on ourselves but like pam just said there's some sort of expectations in quite a few different aspects of seo and um, digital marketing, which is one, do the hours, do, do extra hours, push through, do this, do that. Um, but I was wondering if you guys have noticed any other maybe patterns that bring along digital marketing burnout. One of them, I think, is that constant need for content. That just, it it absolutely wears me out every day because that's, that's such an example of got to push myself to write this piece of content that I don't even know where to stop or start and if people are going to listen and if I don't put it out there then all of my other you know my network is, is going to think that I'm not writing and for some reason that has a real bearing on on me on how I uh, approach approach work so I wonder if you guys have any other patterns or, or resonate with that yeah I do actually and, and I'm going to take a shot at the hustle culture um, I think the hustle culture and also, you know, as you said, like your network or say, you know, you go on LinkedIn or you go on Twitter and stuff like that. And, you know, everybody's always posting about the great work that they're doing or like they're working up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning and they get it, they're going out there, going to get it, cre- creating all this beautiful content and stuff like that. Okay, that's fine. That works for you. But not everybody's in the same kind of boat. 
you know um not everybody mentally is is at the same level as as the stuff that you're actually doing not everybody wants to wake up before five o'clock in the morning for instance mm. um and 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 i think sometimes what happens i think within the digital uh, industry because it's also a bit of tech as well is that as you said pep it's 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 that kind of idea that you know you have to work hard x amount of hours and i think it's almost like peer pressure as well you see all your colleagues you know putting in eight hour week as as, as mr elon would say um it, it, is that mentally healthy for somebody say you're going through a family issue is 80 hours a week even healthy for you so I think I think that says, and I think that's it, it is a sort of peer pressure, and it's always coming from your network, coming from you know people that you're probably following on LinkedIn and stuff like that, and that hustle mentality um, that I, I think personally is um, is becoming a bit toxic um, at, at, at this moment in time because it doesn't really consider people's uh, current state of mind. So yeah, those are my two cents and two thoughts. But yeah, there's mm. obviously a lot more we can no, go into. No, I really like that. that. I think it's um, a lot of what you said there resonates with me in terms of how I feel like my identity is warped every single time I log into a different a different social media platform I go on like LinkedIn and I have to put on this face where I woke up at the correct time this morning and I have done my work and this is how I how I did it and and this is why you should all follow me whereas I get you go onto Twitter and it's all memes and you have to portray that you're you're just as um you're just as funny as you are clever and then you go onto Facebook and you have to maintain this thing with your family and and also sort of mention that you work because your family need to know that for some reason I do think that there's this idea that maybe burnout is coming from this forced identity that we're putting on ourselves a little bit. Don't know if uh, Pam or Caspian, maybe you have something you're nodding along. <laughs> Can't be the only one then. I was just going to say, um, I think it's having to be responsive all the time and the immediacy of the internet and digital communications anyone working in digital has to be able to be responsive uh, and sometimes that's more demanding than others uh, but always that's gonna unless you've kind of scheduled out slots in your day to be to be responsive that's always going to take you away from planned time and that's kind of exhausting in itself but then what you're saying Jeannie about mm -hmm. um, having to show that you've woken up at the right time I think that's another way in which um, people can become burnt out because everyone's working to different circadian rhythms. Like some people work best in the morning, some people work best in the evening. And with the pandemic, people were more permitted and more able to work to their own schedules, um, largely speaking, but not everyone. Um, and I think uh, another way in which that's caused burnout in some people is that they've seen some of their colleagues working at seven, eight, nine, ten in the evening, and they're thinking, oh, no, I need to respond to this too, uh, when actually those people may be mm. working from like six in the evening till, I don't know, eight hours worth of work in the evening, um, just because that's what works with their schedule. Like, we need to be able to work synchronously and asynchronously without it um damaging other people <laughs> the morning person thing one of my biggest if not the biggest pet peeves all those articles you know in order to be a successful entrepreneur you have to get up at you know 4 5 a.m like as if that actually makes a difference um also 
you know, there's this thing called the internet that's around the whole globe and we're all almost all working virtually now and our clients could be in some other time zone or our team could be in some other time zone. Like what? And different circadian rhythms. I have never been a morning person. I start my day at 11 a.m. Judge me all you want. I have had people look at me funny for that. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not doing so shabby if you look at my track record here. So obviously the key to success is not getting up at 4.05 a.m. And just because it's 4.05 a.m. where I am doesn't mean it's not doesn't mean 11 a.m. isn't 4 a.m. somewhere else. It's just ridiculous. Sorry, I could go on and on about yeah, that Yeah, no, I, I love the rant. I love it. It's, it's, it's really finding out how ridiculous some of these standards are. And um, I think, I mean, we are going to move on on how to prevent, uh, we are going to move on to how to prevent this feeling of, of burnout in a minute. And I guess that one of those main things is stop caring about what people are thinking. Um, keep it, keep it to yourself. Make sure that that negative feedback is, is at least neutral at the very least, if you can try not to be horrible to yourself with that internal language. Yeah, I think that's uh a, a brilliant thing for everyone listening is to stop judging us for waking up at 11. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just have a go at it yourself? Um, so, uh, I would say w before we quickly move on to a bit more of an in-depth discussion on how to prevent digital marketing burnout or how we, you know, we could maybe some brainstorm ideas on this podcast together. I had an interesting um thought to ask you guys what where you came from in terms of what jobs or academia you were doing before and how digital marketing burnout is similar or different to the other types of burnout that we've had in our lives so if people i'm sort of trying to um direct this to those people that be listening thinking, oh, I'd, I'd quite like to know the risks of getting into digital marketing before I go for it. And they might be thinking a, a bit scared to, to do it. Um, how does it relate to academia? How does it relate to being at school, the different types of burnout that you felt in other other industries? If you if you have been in any other industries, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, just pose that question to the team. Yeah, I'll get started. I think mine is quite straightforward, really. Um, so um so I was actually working whilst whilst doing my uni um studies so I I, I did have to to wake up early just to catch a train to get to work uh because I lived outside of London uh essentially and um you know I'd go to work finish work and then you know go to my evening um you know like lectures essentially and then get home do a bit of coursework and go to sleep and I do that on the weekends as well and, and, and yeah I did suffer from burnout doing that and I could feel it um, but I didn't really have I didn't really understand what it was I didn't know uh, how to so deal with it to handle it um, I didn't know what mental health was back you know back back, back in the in, in the tent so it's like you know um so for me, it was really challenging um, to sort of deal with it. And I think, you know, as, as a result, sometimes, you know, my, my, my work quality at work was, was suffered in certain areas, but then I also obviously recovered from that. Uh, the great thing was obviously I had a very good support network um, within my organization that I worked um, at and I prospect, they knew what I was doing. Um, they knew what I was trying to achieve um, and they all just basically supported me. So I think that was 
how I managed to, to sort of overcome that was to work with people that I, I can actually trust um, and they, they can support me as well when I needed to be sort of picked up, um, essentially. The importance of community around different types of burnout, I think that can be a lot, um, the turning point or, or the, the thing that that makes digital marketing burnout maybe different is the isolation that surrounds it. Whereas when we were at uni or at school, there were things where, you know, you could, there were whole, there were a whole system set up to stop this or at least to acknowledge it. Um, and, and so other people have, have found this too. And here's a safe space. I think we underestimate the, the uh, importance of a, a safe space to talk about these feelings. Um, but uni was always a really good place to do that and, and school, I suppose. Um, do you guys have any other um, th- th- any other places that you're coming from uh, from uh, different uh, types of work? For me, in all of this, I keep thinking about my first dr- real job that I kind of grew up in in my work world, and it was it was a long time ago. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but it was only a handful of years after the internet became you know a, really a thing, um, and so I I in this office, I literally had like one hand in each world, like in my desk in front of me, there was a computer and some things were computerized. And, you know, the company was forward thinking they actually had, you know, a basic HTML website out there on the web, but I would spin my chair around and I'd have like a typewriter and like the green ledger book that you had to write all the invoices. So it was a very old school environment, but like the internet was like fastly like permeating it. And, you know, that's kind of how I made the transition initially is like, they realized like, oh, I, this girl can figure out how to work on our website and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I kind of started doing digital marketing within this incredibly old school environment. Um, but at, in that environment, it, it was that butts and seats mentality. You know, your value was based on how, how, you know, if your butt was in that seat at 8am, which mine never was, it's always 805. The morning person thing again, sorry, I'll get back off of that. Uh, yes. So, so anyway, but, but in a way it was like, I, even though they didn't know what I was doing, they didn't know how to, how to judge my performance because they didn't know what I was doing. Um, I mean, occasionally there were big milestones I could show them about something I finished on the website or whatever. Um, but I knew that all that was expected of me in that culture is have my butt in that seat and appear like I'm doing something. So at least I knew what they valued and what that culture valued and mm. how to quote unquote perform in their eyes. Um, I think that someone going into the digital marketing world now is most likely working virtually. And so this really applies to anyone who works virtually. Um, that sense of, I, I couldn't imagine like coming in as a, as a new, you know, worker who hasn't really had a, a you know, full-time job and just like trying to get acquainted with your boss or bosses and trying to figure out what they expect, what the culture expects of you, even what your coworkers expect of you. It's that like culture, how can culture exist virtually is a whole, a whole other discussion, but that keeps coming to mind here because that, I feel like that adds another layer to the negative self-talk that we already give ourselves. We're already hard enough on ourselves. And then we're like, oh my God, what does my boss expect of me? And you know, and you're kind of all imagining it when it's not in your face, like in a physical mm. office. So anyway, culture comes to mind and trying to figure it out and the additional pressure from that. Yeah. And you use the word 
how to perform. Uh, I love the way you said it was like, I know how to perform. Uh, That's exactly how I felt in my first job. I was like, okay, so we're not really doing any work. We're just pretending and that's all I kind of have to do. That doesn't quite make sense to me, but at least the guilt is not really on me because I can see everyone else doing the same thing. Whereas in in my role now, um, I, I if I don't work, I'll I'm only creating more work for myself. I think is is the difference. It's just I need to do it eventually. No one's going to come in and and say, oh, don't worry, Jeannie, you hit the the target. Um, you performed really well you fit into the culture i just have to no i have to get this out or else it will nobody else is coming to save me and i think that's also part of that um that burnout feeling like you said just if you don't have to assimilate to a culture then really you're creating the culture yourself and if you create a bad one then <laughs> it's that's not great um yeah caspian do you have anything to add i was just going to um follow on from something that Pam just mentioned around culture and how to work together in remote companies. And I've seen increasingly organizations saying how they're asking team members to write kind of guides to working with me. So everyone in the company all writes like, this is how I work. This is how I think. This is um, how I'll react if you uh, say something in this way to me, like, um, I may be forgetful, but please give me a nudge. I won't be offended. Or um, please don't chase me. I know I've got something to do, but uh, I, I'm just working on it. And everyone responds differently in different ways. And I think um, there's so much nuance in how people communicate remotely um, that you can't infer through a Slack message that if you were kind of sat opposite someone, it's way easier to just be like, you're right. Have you done? Oh, no, okay, I'll leave you to it. It's fine. Um, yeah, so these kind of guides to working with each other, I think, is feeding into company culture more, which can potentially help reduce the possibility of burnout, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it could. I mean, I suppose it could go either way, couldn't it? That sort of write down every bit of nuance about your own behaviour. On the one hand, I can see how that's definitely useful on the other hand that stresses me out I don't know how I'm gonna react to to you messaging me on one day with an email um that's a bit too direct you never know these things Um, and then and then it's like why do I have to write out every single facet of my personality so I can I can see that either being something that exists just for show of a company or something that if you did it right, probably makes something, makes quite, I, I don't know, makes, what do you guys think about it? So, do you think it's a useful thing to do or, or no? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things like out there, like, you know, 16 personalities and like Myers-Briggs test um, that I've done, mm-hmm. you know, teams that I've worked with. Um, I think there's another one. Um, I think it's a guy from the one. I think it's quite interesting. It's more around, um, you know, working on your strengths. Um, so basically you communicate like what your strengths are. Here's the thing. Majority of the time, as you said, Jenny, you don't really know what type of person you actually are. <laughs> um, <laughs> most of the time. So, 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 so for instance, until you're in that like heat of the moment, really, um, you know, th- then you know what type of person you are. And I think like with some of those 
test that although they're not really scientific in any kind of way but they try to say they are uh, what they try to do is just stress you so you can find out how you'd react um because say if you are writing like a profile you're not really in a stress environment it's more the whole idea of how you see yourself at that point in time i hope that makes sense so so, no, so, so what i so, so what i think with these things is more um it, it's it's a challenging one really whether your team wants to perform like a Myers-Briggs test or anything like that um, so you know who you are and 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 what we did with um, a previous agency was you didn't have to share that with your team you know you just knew what your strengths are when you are pushed or when you are in a stressed environment so you know how you can react to things so I think a lot of the time it's more around I'm not saying go get a therapist but it's more around understanding yourself and how you react to certain things and if you feel like you want to share it you can but if you don't then at least you know um, if someone is being direct to you why do you take it the way that you do (laughs) yeah it's so stressful that every time you wake up and you go to work you have to also say Oh my gosh. Everything that I reply to, there's a paper trail there. If if someone doesn't like it, they can pick it up and they can use it and, and say this. I definitely think that that adds to the, the feeling of burnout because you're constantly not only being watched like you would be in an office, you're being uh, recorded. You're being everything you write is an email or something that you can be referred back to, which almost feels unnatural. I mean, it's natural to us because we've been doing it, you know, for years and years and years. But if we actually genuinely go back and think of how humans want to exist, it's quite exhausting to be watched all the time. And I think a life on the internet, um, is that's that's kind of what you you get if you do that um which i do think definitely can create burnout um yeah it's like living in a glass glass house <laughs> um pam you big a- brother is watching <laughs> it's a, yeah, the modern exactly. day version of that and uh yeah i mean oh my god i haven't really thought about it from from that aspect of, you know, you, everything you do and say is recorded. But one thing I do think about a lot, um, cause I, I work with some, some teams in other countries and culture is different there and they're much more straightforward, uh, here in, in the U S and especially in the digital marketing industry, we're expected to add so much, I call it fluff to everything. Mm. You can't write an email without being like, you can't write an email and say, you know, here's your report. It has to be, hi, so-and-so, I hope you're doing well. How were your holidays? And blah, 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 blah. And I thought you might like to see this report now that it's finished and all the exclamation Mm. point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) I'm like, did I add enough exclamation points to this email to make it sound like I'm excited and friendly? Like versus what I do with those other teams, I could be straightforward and just be like, here it is. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, yep. bye. Yeah. <laughs> I it's absolutely exhausting. With that. It's totally and it, exhausting. You know, it is a real. I mean, obviously, culture is is real, but the the idea of a professional, um, international workplace culture. I've seen so many studies on it of how to tackle it, and people saying, "Oh, but if you're German, you'll want to talk like this, or if you're you do um, French, you have to talk in this way, and if." everybody doesn't assimilate, then there's going to be some sort of backlash because one person is going to be more direct than the other. Um, and it's 
it's that directness that I think, you know, that also plays into gender. We have to perform our gender roles and, and these things where it's just, oh my gosh, and no wonder we're all burnt out. It's so overwhelming to be constantly having to think about that because that's otherwise right now when you just talk you're not really thinking about it you just say how you <laughs> and then if you're actually writing an email you you're constantly criticizing yourself like oh god i have to write this and I have to do these exclamation marks or else everyone's going to think i'm the worst person in the world but yeah no i absolutely resonate with that that is um just the most annoying part of my day is self-censoring myself and it plays into that role of you know it's just an, an additional identity that I have to take on so there's Twitter there's LinkedIn there's email there's Facebook there's all of this and now yeah <laughs> not to mention you know email in and of itself the quantity of it, it's like a fire hydrant to the face and dealing with that all day every day is that is a whole thing in and of itself I know it's so it's such a weird one as well because like you just said, email in itself. Whereas if you go onto Twitter or, or LinkedIn or Facebook, you kind of, you've created those personalities, those identities. On email, you have to remember which personality you created with that specific person at the very beginning of your relationship and uphold it. There's some emails I'll send, which are just, thanks a lot, LOL. <laughs> love you bye and that's that's great um and there's somewhere i really have to say okay we've started this very professional relationship and now let's continue this because this is how we perform this relationship and it's you're you're entirely right when you say email is a whole world of that in its own because you have to remember that no there isn't a little thing saying oh by the way you're professional with this person you have to go back and see since it's, it's insane to think of it like that i was just thinking as as Pam and you were talking, Jeannie, um, some advice that someone once gave me uh, was, well, not just me, but to the room he was speaking to, they said, uh, always assume positive intent. Like, regardless of what someone said, um, people may vary uh, how much fluff they put in their emails from time to time because maybe they're emailing on the move or maybe they've had a stressful morning and so maybe when normally they would say how are you doing i hope you're having a lovely day uh, and then here's your report uh, if they just do say here's your report um rather than taking offense to that it's like oh well they're probably just busy and like um it's easy to get wrapped up in um adding interpretation to emails or messages if um i don't know if you're in some form of burnout i think or if you're stressed yourself you could easily be like oh no well what, what have i done like uh what's going wrong or is uh, is there a problem um but yeah always assume positive intent i reckon is good advice i think that's actually some of the best advice i've ever heard because it takes it over for for every type of burnout is or every type of relationship you have, if you assume positive intent, that's that's actually quite a powerful way to prevent this. Because the the thing that I'm seeing, the pattern that I'm seeing as we're talking about this, is that we're doing it to ourselves, and everyone's doing it to themselves. So it's creating this horrible culture. So if we're all assuming positive intent, that's that's actually a powerful move that you could make in your career to to make yourself happier. I think. That's really nice. Thanks, Caspian. That's really good. Thanks, Caspian. So I was just wondering, um, here's an interesting one. Even if we do, um, what's your take on the um, statement 
burnout is inevitable. Is that something? It's, are we all? Are we on a one track way to burnout? Is there? Is that when we put our? Is that our endpoint, and we have to to do that, or is there? You know, is it? Can we can we avoid it? Is basically what I'm trying to say. I definitely think we can avoid it. I don't think it's inevitable because otherwise everyone would uh, be constantly burning out one after the other or all at the same time and um, everything would grind to a halt if everyone was burning out. It might be that we kind of do burn out in sequence <laughs> one person at a time. but um, We're just really lucky with it. With the timing, yeah. We just time it really well. Um, but I think um, for some people setting boundaries is easier than others and um, for some people, uh, it's easier to get caught up in um, thinking, oh, I must do X or I must do Y and I must do it by this time. Or I can't finish until I've done this. And then you just think that hours is the right answer when actually um, if you get stuck in that rut or the way of thinking where it's just, oh, I just need to or I'm going to spend this many more hours until I've done this thing, so often... Um, you can get away from that by just going for a walk or taking 30 minutes and then being like, oh, actually, it wasn't yeah. as bad as I thought it was or it's not as important as to sacrifice everything else I've got going on in my life right now uh, to finish that thing and take probably five more hours than it would have done if I took a break. <laughs> um, so sorry, yeah. that's changing the answer a bit to the question, but um, I, I don't think it's inevitable. I think if people set boundaries... Um, or reset boundaries, then it can be avoided. That's interesting. It's it's the ability to reset boundaries as well, because boundaries are important in every walk of life. But nobody really talks about when your boundaries change and when you have, when you experience things, or you just grow a bit and you think, well, I don't actually need to do this anymore, or I I don't enjoy this part of my job that I know other people they're not relying on me for it. So we can put these extra boundaries in place. I think that's a really good point. Um, does anybody else have some nifty tricks or some interesting thoughts on uh, it being inevitable? Uh, I think that's that's true. Uh, you're not going to get fired for setting your boundaries, <laughs> for, no. for communicating them as well to people. You know, um, yeah, I think that's what I can add to that really is you just have to communicate what your boundaries are. Um, if you have to, you know, work at 11 you know um you, you, you communicate that to people right mm. you i think that's it really just communicating what your boundaries are and i think a lot of us we, we kind of shy away from from doing that i mean I, i'm guilty of it a lot um i don't really communicate my boundaries and then you know sometimes when they when, they, when i stepped on sometimes and I, I i i really get frustrated or angry but i'm not frustrated at the person more frustrated as you said at myself um but if i communicated those boundaries and they were quite clear to you know to those i work with um i think a lot of those issues that i have in my head um or the issues that we have would be would be avoided in the future so yeah it's, it's pretty straightforward it's hard to mm. do though but uh but being able to communicate your boundaries is a clear one yeah i suppose also that relates back to caspian's um point of some companies putting in a measure to actually make to actually critically think about your boundaries whether they're correct or not at the time that i guess that's a different it's it's just the act of getting people to actively think of their boundaries is probably a good thing um 
I've I've, I've been won back round to the idea after this. <laughs> it's it's gone from stressing me out to to actually maybe thinking maybe a workplace um, personality quiz is not such a bad idea. Um, I don't know. Pam, can I give you some space to talk? If if I try to think about burnout as like a an emotion. In that sense, mm. I would say it's inevitable that you're going to feel it at times, just like any other emotion. I mean, it it has it can can have um, physical ramifications, but so can other negative emotions. You know, sadness, depression, anxiety; those can have physical ramifications, ramifications too. So sometimes I kind of think of it like like an emotion, and in that sense, yeah, it's going to be inevitable that you're going to encounter it, and then it's all about you know how you handle it. Everything in life is balanced, right? If we let ourselves be sad all the time. That would be incredibly bad. If we let ourselves be at our most wound up, positive, energetic state all the time, that would be bad too. It's all about coming back to center. And so I think if you think of burnout as an emotion that you're inevitably going to encounter, then it's just all about how you handle it and boundaries. Oh my God, that's a, a huge, huge aspect of how to handle many things in life, but this is in particular. Um, and just kind of, you know, trying to ground yourself and know that this is temporary. This feeling of overwhelm isn't going to last forever. I can just, you know, just keep, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, taking the next step to get through this overwhelm and come back to center, which, you know, is I'm kind of reminding myself as I talk about the importance of meditation for me. I actually have gotten away from it recently. Uh, I need to get back to it because even just taking five, 10 minutes at the end of every day to just be quiet with yourself and come back to center. It was, it was magical. And and studies say that mm. like it actually changes, it rewires your brain, not completely, but you know, it actually has a, an impact on your gray matter and, and the chemicals in it and how you feel on the regular, if you practice that coming back to center. So that's if I, I do think it's inevitable in a sense, if you think of it in that way, light that it's an emotion of sorts um but you know it's just like in that regard then it's just like anything else in life it's just gonna, life one of my favorite quotes is and i can never quote it exactly but it's something to the effect of life is awesome and then it's terrible and then it's awesome again and in between there's some you know routine mundane stuff but it's going to be awesome it's going to be terrible and then it's going to be awesome again so yeah you're going to get burnt out and then you're going to have to figure out how to navigate your way back to center and, you know, just that's this kind of cycle of life, right? <laughs> that's life. Yeah. And I, I think that's um, kind of wise words to, to sort of uh, start ending on, really, because I think we wouldn't be here doing a podcast on digital marketing, marketing burnout if it wasn't extremely common. Um, and I guess people should take away from this what i what i'm going to be taking away from this um from all of your amazing comments is um it's a really personal thing it's something that um uh you know the best thing you can do is recognize it and uh how you want to how you want to deal with that it's kind of your own your own way um if that's if you know you need to get a personality test and and tell people really specifically what your boundaries are if you need to to meditate if you need to um take some time away if this is a four-day work week these these kinds of things are becoming so much more common and i guess what i'm taking away from this is you guys have given me permission to to think about them um a bit more 
freely and not feel so guilty is that that word that we started off with is just guilt it's that that horrible thing um but it will get better as pam said and we've all gone there and we're all going to be there again unfortunately because we work hard and we hold ourselves to some standards that um unfortunately we can't actually control is, is what I'm um, trying to think of is we can try, but you really need to put effort into it, which is really difficult. Um, do you guys have any uh, quick sort of uh, your words of wisdom or anything you'd really like to end end this podcast on? I love what you just said about, you know, these things are are here, you know, the four day work week or whatever it may be, this digital culture, how to work with me guides, like it's here. And, you know, an alternative work life or work style, whatever you need to do to keep yourself mentally healthy is okay. It's okay. I constantly have to say that to myself these days. It's like, this, I'm not working at eight to five. I still feel the guilt after all these years of 12 years of having my own company and been out of that physical office culture, but I still feel it. I just have to constantly tell myself it's okay. And my other two favorite words are for now. If something feels incredibly overwhelming, whatever situation I'm dealing with, I just remind myself this is just for now. So I would say, you know, it's okay. And for now is kind of a mantra that I use um, along with, it's funny, we just got a comment asking about any recommended books along with this book that I keep my favorite page uh, bookmarked. This is rework uh, by mm -hmm. the guys that created it from 37 signals at Creative Basecamp. Um, my favorite page in here that I keep within reach at all times. I don't know how well you can see this, but it says you're better off with a kick-ass half than a half-ass whole. I also chant that to myself because one thing we didn't really touch upon, but for me, um, one aspect of my you know mental health struggles are is perfectionism. I will I will torture myself with perfectionism. Mm. So that's another mantra I physically keep within reach of my desk. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. See? Yeah, that's that's really brilliant. And I and I do agree, uh, Pam. I think it's um, a lot of times it's more about us telling ourselves you know, it's okay. There's a lot of help out there. I think, you know, I think a lot of businesses are actually a lot more forward thinking than they were, say, in the early two, 2000s or 2010s as well. So, you know, we have, you know, like, some people are implementing four-day work weeks. But I think a lot of the times, you know, as someone who's worked within some big, some companies, organizations, is not actually utilizing those because if you hide a conscientious person for a lot of people who work in the digital space are you think maybe i shouldn't be taking that mental health day maybe i should be you know completing this piece of work that i should be doing or that um not being aware that there are you know sort of help helplines that you could use or utilize um that you know you could um essentially it's okay to go for a walk um, after a call, after a meeting. Um, you know, it's okay to, to to go to the gym during lunchtime or or, or do something that, that that's creative. Um, it, you you could decide to to play or learn to play a musical instrument. Um, I think for me, one of the the things that I, I try to do a lot is to I, I understand um, a lot more about my journey. So. Right now, I'm actually looking at the book um, called The Hero's Journey. And um, it's a book basically um, written by, I'll say, by one of the forefathers of like story creation. It's Joseph Campbell. 
Um, and if you think of your life as a series of journeys that you go through and sort of coming back um, to that rebirth kind of stage, um, I think, you know, if you look at the, the, the things right now that you go through um, and sort of put yourself within that journey and understand that whatever you're going through right now is, as, as Pam said, is very temporary. Um, and you will come out at the other end, um, having learned something new about yourself. Um, and I think that's always something you can look back on and say, without that experience, um, to be quite honest, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Yeah, that's really powerful, C. Thank you so much. Caspian? I really liked uh, what Pam said about um, burnout being like an emotion, because I think um, that's a really good way of thinking about it. And I think um, everyone will have a different threshold and tolerance to that emotion. So what's burnout or capacity for one person will be different for another and being mindful of that uh, in yourself, like try not to compare uh, yourselves to one another. Um, that's another way to go down the uh, the spiral of burnout, I think. Um, everyone's situations are unique and um uh, one thing that I used to find absurd um, was seeing people who blocked out lunch in their calendar every day. And I was like, what on earth? Like, why do they need to do that? But actually, they're just protecting their time. And you can do that and have yeah. the flexibility to change it. It's better to not get caught up by uh, diary snatchers who are going to go in and <laughs> get any minute of the day you have. But I think um, being selfish in a way that doesn't hurt others is a, a good thing. Think about yourself, um, block out the time that you need, uh, and you can always be flexible with it once it's there, but it stops. It means it's your decision, um, which I think is a good yeah, thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, everyone. I'll just quickly do a shout out to the two um, comments. So we just had Samir said that Deep Work by CA Newport is also a good book and Finding Flow, Dixon has said that. Um, just if anybody's listening and, and needed to know, those are two other recommendations from the podcast. So I'm just going to quickly bring in um, David, uh, who's going to tell us about next week. Um, but just before, I want to say thank you so much. Um, it was a really special podcast and really helpful for me um, personally. So thank you very much, guys. Absolutely. Great discussion, everyone. And perhaps it even actually warrants a part two to um, occur at some point in the future. Stay tuned. We'll see. So that was episode 31 of the Knowledge Panel Show. Episode 32 is going to be coming up next month. And um, on that particular show, we're going to be covering the topic, what creative content works best for SEO in 2023? Um, so to find out more about that, we already have one guest signing up for that. That's Iona, Iona Townsley from Neomam Studios. Um, but sign up at the Knowledge Panel Show dot com um for that show for future shows as well and we'll send an alert um before we go live to make sure hopefully you can join us live and you can ask questions next time around brilliant thanks david uh thanks to everyone who came on the podcast and i really hope that this part two happens because i think we have so much more to talk about so have a good rest of the day guys and uh i'll speak to you soon <laughs>